0: The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest and greatest edition of The Chris Sheeran Show here on YesNetwork.com. And on the iTunes, you could subscribe to it. It'll download right to your phone, tablet, or any kind of... Technology device that you have yeah. device yes thanks for that word doug that's that's the only reason doug is here just to complete my set. i might as well
1: just be an apple store employee <laughs> sitting over doug here.
0: completes me <laughs> that's doug williams uh if you're just tuning in for the first time i am chris shearn of the s yes network uh um we're not going to do yankees today uh lou dipetro and doug williams did that on the yes men podcast they gave a nice little yankees wrap up to their season uh doug and i will of course talk about the yankees we're not going to completely put them in the rearview mirror. I mean, they're always in our minds, and we will definitely talk about them, but I think uh, Lou and Doug did a great job wrapping the season up. So after you're done listening to this, why don't you go over and download the Yes Men and listen to them as well. Having said that, let's start with baseball. Segway. Um, Segway. I, I did it myself. The Chris Shearn Show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, God, I mean, I, I'm watching these wild card games. And a lot of people tweeting about, hey, who's, who's, in, you know, who's opposed to these second wild cards now? And you look at that first game, and it goes 12 innings between the Royals and the A's. And golly, I mean, if you're Billy Bean, <laughs> and you're like 30 games over 500 one second, and now you're packing up and getting ready for 2015 this second – you bring in Lester for that situation, that situation alone. He comes into that game third all time in ERA in the postseason with 10 starts or more at 211. And I forget what he gave up, what, four or five runs? And you just sit there and you shake your head and you're just like, my goodness. I mean, I'm glad the Royals won. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing Kansas City getting at least. One more home game in the playoffs because the Big K was that atmosphere at the Big K was tremendous. And Doug, I know I'm going all over the place. I just want to get your thoughts on this game first. We'll talk about the Giants Pirates in a second. But Salvador Perez, this is why baseball, in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful games on the planet. This guy was 0 for 5. 0 for 5 going into that last at-bat. His last two at-bats leading up to his last at-bat, he saw a total of five pitches, three of which came in the eighth inning when he had a chance to hit a base hit with one out with runners on second and third and give the Royals maybe not even a tie but the lead. He saw three pitches and struck out. I mean, it was the worst three swings I've ever seen in postseason history. The last one had to be two feet outside. And, you know, they talk about Tom Selleck having a hole in his swing in, you know, uh, Mr. Baseball, that old movie. There was an ocean-sized hole in that guy's swing in his last two at-bats. Then his next at-bat, two pitches he sees, and he grounds out to second base. So I'm thinking when, he, when he's coming up here for this, for this last at-bat, I'm like, oh, there's no way. There's no way. I mean, you could bounce three pitches and you'll strike him out. Gets the game winning hit. It was a garbage pitch. I mean, it was outside and he pulled it past Donaldson centimeters away from his glove. And he, Salvador Perez, no one's going to remember that strikeout in the yeah. eighth inning, besides me. <laughs> Everybody's going to remember Perez putting the Royals in the ALDS with, you know, what kind of reminded me of? Vlad Guerrero. Because he could hit a pitch anywhere. It was that kind of swing. Yeah, it was that kind of swing.
1: Well, Susan, you can't predict baseball. (laughs) I mean, I'm serious. That's why John Sterling says it all the time, because you couldn't have picked a guy who was less likely to get the hit in that situation, given his at-bats earlier in the game. They were just terrible. And in general, it was such a great game. Um, how many times were the Royals down and out? I mean, they were down yeah. and out originally, then they were you know in extras.
0: 7-3 going into the eighth I know. inning.
1: Unbelievable. Against and Leicester.
0: I mean, you're basically packing up and moving on. And, and give credit to the fans. They stayed for the whole game. Oh,
1: yeah. And you know what? If you're Billy Bean, what what's so sad is that you know that you're not going to be able to compete with the contracts that John Lester's going to get. So that's it. He was a rental, and he's gone. Um, he, John Lester, I'm going to guess, really liked it in Oakland. It's closer to where he's from. He's, you know, he it's that kind of clubhouse mentality with get to October. It's it's a loosey goosey kind of environment, and the players apparently really like it there. But he's gone, and, and a lot of the postseason hopes that the A's had were riding on this year. A lot of their players are going to be gone, and Billy Bean, really, I think, even though it hasn't come true, made a team that was really built for the postseason. And and these one game playoffs, anything can happen. But he made a good point. He was asked, you know, I think it was yesterday uh, about John Lester and the fact that he didn't get him a World Series, and that was that type of move to get you to the World Series. And he said, I don't think we make it to the, the playoffs if it wasn't for John Lester. So again, if you're Billy Bean, I, I don't know what you do, but I, I'm I'm with you. The Royals making the making it uh, a little further and having a few more home games, they deserve it, and they're a dangerous team. They are a dangerous team and you know what? Speed kills. And as I was,
0: you know, finding creative ways to tweet about the Royals after they beat the A's, I found a picture of the Roadrunner. You remember the Roadrunner? <laughs> Bugs Bunny, Wiley Coyote. He is the exact colors of the Royals. And that's exactly how they could keep advancing. Now look, they have a very tall task. In their series with the Angels, Uh, Jared Weaver gets a start in game one against Jason Vargas. And uh, it's actually happening. Game one is on the day we're taping this, uh, Thursday. And you know what, Doug? They need to. If the Royals get on base and they have to get on base with frequency, I I just don't know. The Angels were one of those teams down the stretch. I I mean, look, the, the A's had control of the AL West. And the Angels, it was like they were just revving the engine, and then all of a sudden, boom, they put it to the floor, and they flew past Oakland. They had that big four-game series where Oakland could have got back into it, yep. and they swept them. Yep. I mean, the Angels are one of the hottest teams in baseball. So the Royals do have a, a, a big-time test in trying to advance to the ALCS, but it's not like— They don't have a shot. I mean, I really think because of that speed. We talked about it before we came up here. How many pinch runners were stealing? They stole four bases in the eighth inning. Four. And Dyson stole third in the ninth with a lefty up and one out.
1: I mean, it took guts. And... You know, the that game actually felt didn't it feel like a social media storm? Oh my, uh, yeah. because of the yosting and the bunting, and you there, know, there there are times
0: where, uh, and I have, I've admitted it before, I hate Twitter, but it's nights like those that Twitter that's what Twitter's all about. I
1: was getting people riled up because I was tweeting out pictures of Raul Abanez when he hit that walk-off. And I was like, put, put me it. in, coach. Uh-huh, like, yeah. I'm ready to play or bunt if and that's what you And him and Dunn didn't get in it back I was shocked that Ibanez. I mean, that's the game over. Ned Yost, you got to you got to know that if you put Raul Abanez up in the extra innings, the game is over. What I couldn't understand, you know –
0: How many bunts, how many sacrifices did we see stealing small ball? I mean, Royals A's. What would you expect in that game other than that? And in a small ball game, what's the final score? I know. (laughs) But I'm sitting there in that eighth inning. One out, second and third, Perez is at the plate. Now, if Perez doesn't know how to bunt, he shouldn't be a major league baseball player. Every major leaguer should know how to lay a bunt down. It, it should start in spring training. It should be practice all season long. When they're in the cage, before they start swinging away, they're bunting. How are you not putting on a squeeze there? How? How? I, I, well, I want a base hit so I could take the lead. But don't you want to tie the game? I was sitting there, and you're talking about yosting. and you're talking, you know Pedro went off on him for his uh, uh, use of the bullpen. And, Which uh,
1: was warranted. He almost oh, no, gave away that right. game. No, no, no.
0: He did. But and, and and that came before the eighth inning. But I sat there in just utter amazement, like, there's no squeeze. <laughs> we don't know how to bunt in Kansas City. They went, they win the game uh despite their manager. Um but golly, what a way to start the MLB postseason. And, you know, after the Stanley Cup, <laughs> after those finals, it, it, it's nice to see uh, the the excitement just carry on I, until last night, of course, unless you're a Giant fan. <laughs>
1: um, but it, I was going to say, yeah, go ahead. what's interesting about this, the Royals and Angels series now is mm-hmm. I tend to go with, when I'm doing my playoff picks, I go with teams who have rotations that one through five are stacked or one through four, or whatever you need in the postseason. The Angels and Royals don't really have, other than James Shields and Jared Weaver, that ace-filled rotation that you see with a Nationals or a Tigers. Um, and so, you're, you know, you're throwing Vargas out there if you're the Royals. And he's not dominant. He went 11-10 this year, um, Jason Vargas. And, you know, Jared Weaver has, you know, I think it's he's the second or first slowest mile-per-hour per fastball pitcher in baseball. That series, to me, is going to be just a battle every game. I, I would say if the Angels had Garrett Richards still, that's a bona fide 1-2, and I think they might be able to put away that Royals team. But I think this series is going to be like 7-6, 6-5, six, six, that kind of scoring. Like No one's going to be throwing gems, but that series is going to be a battle because the the Royals and the Angels can both score and not necessarily just with the home run. Hit, 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 hit. That's how we saw the Royals make a comeback. Yeah, and I, again, going
0: back to what I said earlier, it's just going to be nice to see playoff baseball once again in Kansas City. It would have been nice to see in Oakland too. I mean, I don't want to get the A's fans mad because their fans really bring it every time they uh, show up at the ballpark. And they get along with um, the opposition as well, which I like to see, see those stories all the time uh, online on the online Uh, but the Giants and Pirates could not uh, match uh, if you will the excitement unless like I said you're a Giant fan of that first wild card game uh, and it was Madison Bumgarner Uh, let's be honest I mean this guy we were talking about it before it's just effortless his delivery is so slow and it kind of to me it lulls you to sleep and then all of a sudden whoops his fastball's in on you or that curveball's dipping two feet out of the strike zone and you're swinging over it. (laughs) Like, you know, you're trying to hit a pebble with a broomstick. I I mean, that's how effective he was in his last two playoff starts. One was in the world series back in 2012. uh, And this past one, obviously uh, the other night, Uh, 16 innings, 18 strikeouts. He gave up six hits, uh, just three walks. Uh, An ERA of Zippo. Zero. Uh, The only thing that scares me about the Giants moving forward is the rest of their rotation. Because I I just don't know, besides Bumgarner, what they're going to do to battle that entirely (laughs) ridiculous strong rotation of the Washington Nationals. Talk about a team like the Angels, who just went into overdrive at a point during the season. It's the Angels... And it's the Nationals. I mean, the the Giants, an uphill battle, but if there's one team that could get hot, and we talked about it before, you brought up a great point. Angel Pagan is kind of like the glue that holds that lineup together. He's not in the lineup. But I, I think if the Giants could get hot with the bats, which might be impossible against the Nationals, They have a shot.
1: Yeah, and you're looking at guys like Jake Peavy and Tim Hudson in that rotation. Who, I mean, Jake Peavy was not getting it done with the Red Sox. Who knows? Maybe the NL is a little different for him. But I would not call him an ace by any means. And Tim Hudson is a wily veteran. He's got a great sinker, but he's not going to you know drive anyone out of the ballpark. He's not going to you know necessarily give you nine shutout innings or anything like that. So the Giants don't really have this year that typical Giants rotation where you've got the Matt Canes and the Barry Zito in his prime. And the Baumgardner, and you know they have Vogel song as well. But we're used to seeing aces upon aces in that rotation. It's not really that way. I look. I just don't think the Giants, if if you're looking at it on paper, can really totally match up with the Nationals because I, I really think that the Nationals are the best overall team in baseball. Mm-hmm. But anything can happen. I mean, we've we've seen. We talk about how one game playoffs are short, and obviously they are. But fives are short too. Yeah. I mean, three wins and you're you're good. Five-game five series are scary. They're extremely
0: scary. I mean, because you get a team that gets hot at the plate, which is kind of impossible in the postseason, as the Yankees have found out the past couple of times they were in the playoffs. I mean, the, the offense just went to bed, um, and it's because of one thing, and that's great pitching, and that's exactly what the Nationals have. So if you're a Giant fan, you're there, but be very afraid. you got Steven Strasburg going for the Nats in Game 1, and then Zimmerman. In game two, and between the two of them, they they won twenty eight games this season. So, and, and they have electric stuff. I mean, let's be honest. It, and then you have
1: Gio and Fister just G- waiting. I
0: mean, Gio and and Fister, You know, everybody forgets about Doug Pfister and what he did for the Tigers. Uh, amazing for them, and now doing it for the Nationals as well. And ever since uh, the Yankees, the, the reliever, the lefty, is his name escapes me right now. But the Yankees traded him. Matt Thornton? Yeah, Matt Thornton. Ever since he went to the Nationals, he's been lights out. So, you know, it's not just the starters. It's the bullpen as well. Uh, They are a very scary team, and the Nats could very well find themselves in the next round, maybe even in the World Series. And you could have a Beltway World Series with the Orioles. There's a lot of, you know, great matchups that could happen in in the baseball playoffs right now. And I got to be honest, I I have to say I'm a little – I'm leaning towards a Don Mattingly versus Buck Shaw-Walter um, World Series Dodgers and, and Orioles. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see the Royals, love um, – just like I'd love to see the Pirates last year. But these small market teams, you know, it, it's a it's a great accomplishment getting there. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, they let you they, – they disappoint you and they let you down. Um I'd love to see the Royals, uh, and I'd love to see the Royals take on, I don't know, anybody in the National League, the Cardinals. Cardinals, Royals would be great, <laughs> wouldn't it? Uh, a replay of uh, the 85 series. Um, so you have that going. You have the Dodgers, and you could have the Orioles. You could have the Orioles, and you could have the Nationals. It's just a nice little mix. And, you know, how could you not root for Mike Trout? Uh, you, know, you you want the Angels to advance as well. There's just so many storylines. It's chock full of storylines. So that's, that's your prediction?
1: You think uh, Dodgers, Dodgers, Orioles?
0: Yeah. I, I think I'm going to go Dodgers, Orioles.
1: I'm going with, uh, I think, Nats, Tigers is my pick. Um,
0: How could I forget about the Tigers?
1: And I the Tigers, the thing with the Tigers is they have Max Scherzer and David Price. I know Verlander isn't the pitcher he once was. Mm. But having David Price and Max Scherzer in the same rotation, I I, I can't bet against them, and especially Price given is the back, one and four in the postseason. Think with about an ERA that over five. I mean, I don't want to throw cold I know, water I on know, this but <laughs> I, I don't love looking back at stats from previous years because you never I do, know what obviously uh, uh, <laughs> you never know what their mindset is now. <laughs> right. um, and, and just given the fact that Rick Porcello is in that rotation, Anibal Sanchez is in that in that, and the
0: Tigers. Uh, Have a better lineup than the Rays.
1: The Tigers have a great lineup. I was about to bring up their three, four, five. You got Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez, and JD Martinez. I mean, that's really amazing compared to what Price had with the Rays. Right? Yeah. The the one bad spot with uh, the Tigers, obviously, is that bullpen. I mean, it's not a good bullpen. So we'll see how much that's relied upon. That just means can your starting pitching give you eight innings a night?
0: And we talked about this before, too, like with a starting pitcher, especially a Price, when he's on that Tampa team and he's in the postseason, you know, he has to be wound as tight as a drum saying to himself, I I, I can't give up a lot of runs. I mean, we're not scoring. I have to go out there and be perfect. And when you put that extra pressure on yourself – now, look, I don't know if he did that. I'm just speculating. But you have to think if you've ever done anything competitive in your life and you know – You're not going to get a lot of run support or anything, you know, in any kind of sport, and you have to be perfect. You put that pressure on yourself, you're not going to perform. Maybe Price, and I'm going to use your loosey goosey here, but maybe Price is a little bit more loosey goosey. He goes out there. He knows that if I give up a run or two, it's not the end of the world. I have, you know, that meat of the order coming up, and they're going to help me out.
1: And remember that guys like Prince Fielder, who is just a power hitter, swing the bat as hard as you can. He struggles in the postseason. But a Miguel Cabrera, who is just an all-out, the best hitter in baseball, he's a a magician at the plate, that's the kind of guy you want in the postseason because he's just up there doing what he does. Now, Prince Fielder is going to have a hard time hitting home runs in the playoffs because every pitch is so important and and so much thought is going into every pitch. Um, I just love that Tiger lineup in this instance, having an Ian Kinsler and a Rajay Davis, guys that just hit. And um, and the Nationals, I mean, what else can you say? Their pitching is the best in baseball mm-hmm. by far. Their bullpen's good. Their lineup, if they get to the World Series, Chris, Ryan Zimmerman at DH, keeping as Dribble Cabrera in there <laughs> with Ian Desmond and Adam LaRoche. It's scary. And um, it's, it is scary. That's a scary team. That's my World Series pick. I think the Nationals are the best team. But, man, uh, we'll see. I just want Donnie Baseball to get there. I, it's... I'd love him to get there. It's
0: selfish, and, you know, it's, it's my Yankee-centric thinking coming out. And, you know, Donnie, we were just talking about this, too. Doug, Doug and I, in case you don't realize, we had a pre-show meeting. Um, it, very hush-hush on everything we discuss. But uh, I brought up that, you know, these players, we talked about it last time, and Buck Martinez brought it up former manager of the Blue Jays, he said, you know, money basically breeds complacency. You know, these guys get these big free agent contracts, and then I don't want to say that they stop playing. They're they're obviously playing, but they know they're getting paid, so maybe they don't compete as hard as they used to to get to the playoffs, and that's Buck's words, not mine. I'm just paraphrasing, but, you know, if there was one guy that I watched throughout my formative years who every game wanted to win, even when he was hurt. I mean, just went out there and flat-out gave everything. Didn't turn to PEDs. Didn't turn to HGH or any of that garbage. You know, his back <clears throat> went to hell, and he still fought through it and, and played, in my opinion, great baseball. I know everybody says he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, and I've had this discussion with so many people so many times. I, I think he should be um, because he didn't turn to all that stupidity to continue playing at a high level. He just deteriorated the way an athlete ac- actually does over right. the course of time. Yeah. But if there's one person, you know, I- I'm not saying I want, I want them to win for that team. There's not a lot of players I like to root for except Kershaw because he's a beast. And the way he goes about his regimen, as soon as his last pitch is thrown in his pitch count, he's in the gym already working on his next start and there's nothing i respect more in sports than a guy like that um i just love watching him pitch too and i love listening to vin scully call the games uh, but if there's one person well two people that i want to see compete for that first world series title it's buck Showalter, who has been snake bitten in his career as a manager uh <laughs> He leaves the Yankees, they go on to win, of course, their dynasty of World Series. He leaves the Diamondbacks, they win a World Series against the Yankees. He goes to Texas, Texas gets into back-to-back World Series. They don't win, but you get my point. I just want Buck and I want Donnie to be there yeah. for selfish reasons, but that's why I want that World Series. You know,
1: the team. Orioles are a little bit like that Red Sox team last year. Um, you look at their pitching as a whole, it's it's good. And you look at their lineup, and it's good. You know, Steve Pierce isn't a huge name. Uh, just like Johnny Gomes isn't well, a huge name. Look at name. the Giants. How many huge but, names do they have besides Posey? Right. I, I, again, I, I could be totally wrong because look, the Orioles had a great season with these guys. But when you look at the Orioles, they do not have an ace. I mean, Chris Tillman is is their ace. He's so a top of the line pitcher. Technically, they besides. have one. Right. But he would not be the ace on most of these other no, teams. No, absolutely looking, not. Right? Absolutely not. So, how is it really? I don't know. How is that a pick when you're looking at? Well, I, I'm not going against you necessarily because, oh, no, no. look, I, I make predictions the same way you are. I'm picking with my heart, right? not I, picking and with my I, head. I, I get obviously. in trouble with that on my other podcast, uh, Shameless Plug. I get in trouble with that <laughs> because Lou ha- is heartless with his picks, <laughs> and he does he, look, he looks at the research. Yeah. He has no motivation other than his brain. And uh, I get in trouble because I'm like, you know, I'd love to see it. And I think it's going to happen. Last year I went against the grain, picked against the Red Sox, even though I knew the Red Sox were destined to win last I year. I picked
0: the Red Sox and rooted for them,
1: Oh, man, I picked against them. It was wishful thinking, and that's kind of what you're doing here. But yeah. I don't know. The, the Orioles are that kind of team where they just win every night. It doesn't matter how they get it done. But I don't know. I just can't see why Yi Chen... Going up against, but he might I don't know, surprise you. He might
0: surprise you. Who knows? You know. Who knows? That that's the thing about postseason baseball. This is where stars are born. All right, you could True. go through it. You could go through a regular season and be mediocre, but when those bright lights of the postseason are shined upon you, and you have a big start, that's when you become that star. That's I got a when, name
1: for you. Go ahead. How about David Freeze? Bang. Mediocre regular season player, Blair. but he still has that reputation of a guy, and he's in the postseason again. Yes, he is, and and teams will continue to sign you, like Madison Bumgarner. We were talking about this in our pre-show meeting, a yeah. pre-show meeting, aforementioned pre-show meeting. He'll always have he a will job. All, he'll be in rotations for the next twelve years yep. because of his reputation after last night's start. Yes, absolutely, and and you know, all right. So if we're going to do a heart
0: and a mind pick, the heart is Dodgers Orioles. The mind, I would say, Nationals Tigers probably. Uh, so if 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 I would get a chance to have both of those selections. Those would be both of my
1: selections. There and I you. think I would agree. I think the AL is a little closer. I think the Nationals are obviously the most complete team in the NL. I think if you look at the AL, the Angels were so good in the regular season. It's hard not to say they're the favorite. But I, again, I was blinded by this last year. It's why I picked the Tigers last year. I was wrong. But if you just look at starting rotation and and hitting, the Tigers are just so good. Um, so we'll see.
0: And, and I got to be honest with you, too. I, I want to see Jabba Chamberlain and Phil Koch succeed uh, with yeah, the Tigers. Yeah, you got a personal connection. Yeah, I I, I, I know both of those guys, <laughs> especially Koch. Um, he is a terrific human being, and I've followed him since he's with the Trenton Thunder. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just look. I want. I don't know. I don't even know if they're on the roster. <laughs> but uh,
1: I think they both are. Yeah, I think you're safe.
0: Yeah. But I, I just I, I like to see those guys do well. I know some Yankee fans have their issues with Jabba Chamberlain, but I, I don't.
1: Boy, Chris, I'm, I'm looking at uh, tomorrow's <laughs> games, Friday the third. Right. Mm-hmm. Boy, that would be if I, in hindsight, which is 2020, would be a nice day to take off, wouldn't it? you got your, uh, your <laughs> 12, 12 p.m., 3 p.m., 6.30 p.m., 9 like, p.m.
0: It's like I'm calling them the Elite Eight, and it's kind of like March Madness. It, it really is, yeah. is.
1: I'd like to be either on my couch in my underwear or at the MGM Grand in Vegas in the sports book. <laughs> 12, so would be my, three, my
0: 6.30, and 9.30. You basically don't have to move all day.
1: No, and that's but... all just – got Verlander, Strasburg, Kershaw, and Jordano Ventura. Is he still planning on pitching in Game 2, even though he was I, stupidly brought into the I, game I, I, I for guess. no reason?
0: Uh, I guess he's yoasting once again.
1: Wainwright and Kershaw? I mean, what more can you ask for?
0: I'm surprised NBC didn't put in for that. <laughs> Must-see TV. I mean, that is two 20-game
1: yeah. winners.
0: Yeah, that that's ridiculous. I mean... If you love baseball and you love pitching and you love low-scoring games, I mean that's me. I know the AL wild card. I'm not taking anything away from that. It was a, it was that was phenomenal. But if it were me, I want Wainwright, Kershaw every night. That's what I want. I want like. Teams walking on eggshells. I want, you know, Oh, we we just got a guy on first. All right, we got to sacrifice him. It's the only run that's going to be scored. That's the type of game and I love watching.
1: Isn't it interesting, Chris? Doesn't it seem like the Cardinals-Dodgers matchup is usually what you get in the NLCS? Yeah. And this year? Yeah, absolutely. Just two marquee teams that um, obviously they met last year in the NLCS, but you don't expect either of them to be playing against each other in the first round. No. You expect them to be the top two seeds, but... But it's Man. nice
0: it's going to be nice to uh get some new blood in the NLCS. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I guess I'm uh, the reason I don't pick the Dodgers as good a, and a, and as complete a team as they are is because they're playing a Cardinals team. And with so much championship pedigree on that roster, it's hard to to count them out. Yeah,
0: I mean you can't. And you know, I said new blood. Who's the new blood besides the Nationals? I mean the Giants, Cardinals and Dodgers. Yeah, know They've all been much. in the NLCS. <laughs> uh so yeah. So uh you know, God, it's just, you, you You pointed that day out tomorrow, actually. And now I can't <laughs> Let's wait. Let's just
1: call our bosses right after Like, I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm fidgeting in my, in my chair we just thinking We should say that it's only
1: it. responsible that we watch so we have good content exactly, for our next show.
0: For the next time we sit down and
1: do this. It's like, look, uh, <laughs> I could come into the office if you want me to. But I just think <laughs> for the good of the podcast. The greater good.
0: Yeah. We have to do it for the greater good. And you know what? Monday is, is just as good. There's another four games on. Two game fours and two game threes. Two ALDS game fours if necessary, and then two game threes in the ALDS. And Porcello and Lackey and Fister are featured in those four games. One is just TBD, and that's the uh, Angels-Royals. No pitchers are announced for that game yet. Um, wow. It's it's setting up to be quite the postseason. Even though the Yankees, once again, dark uh, there will be no lights in the bronx which is weird first time since ninety two, ninety three 93 that that's happened so all you spoiled brats that were born in 1990 and have known nothing i don't but- know who
1: those, all those spoiled brats man you guys are just you guys are crazy i, I wasn't born right around there or anything
0: yeah. exactly
1: you guys are so spoiled from the
0: time you were six all you've known is winning <laughs>
1: Um, but at yeah. least it, uh, the only bright side is it allows you to kind of enjoy yourself when you have yeah. a team like as I did enjoy the Rangers well, run in the, yeah. in the playoffs last year. But it was, I mean, probably took three years off my life. <sighs> yeah. Any they type say of bacon post-season. takes
0: nine minutes. Every time you eat a piece of bacon, it takes nine minutes off your life. If that's the case, I lost about. 12 years watching that Stanley cup final. Did you
1: eat a lot of bacon during the Stanley no, cup? Final? Thank God. I did. I thought those two things were correlated. It's like, I just can't stop eating bacon, man. It's my, it's my getaway. It's the only thing I can do to stay uh, level headed.
0: That's why he's here. Ladies and gentlemen, he's quick. Doug Williams, follow him on Twitter. Um, Let's move on. Let's yeah, talk I, about I knew
1: you were trying to get into the NFL yeah, there. We,
0: we, could, we could talk baseball. Or know. bacon. Yeah, Or bacon for as long as we want. But uh, it's time to make the uh, transfer over to uh, the NFL and the local teams, the Jets and the Giants. And we'll start with the Jets. And Jet fans, this is in my opinion and my opinion only, they have to cool their Jets with Geno Smith. And the pun was intended there. Uh, I, I did a little research for, for everybody, and Doug has these numbers too. And I, I did uh, the first twenty starts of Geno Smith and Eli Manning's careers. Okay, uh, Geno is nine and eleven. Eli was eleven and nine. The completion percentage: Geno plus four point five percent. He's at fifty six point eight, just under fifty seven percent. Eli fifty two point three. The yards: Geno coming in just under four thousand, and Eli at four thousand two hundred sixty seven. Eli had 84 more attempts through those first 20 games, just 299 more yards. He had, Geno Smith had 16 touchdowns, Eli had 28, and Geno has 26 picks, Eli had 23. Now, the Eli's first full year of starting at quarterback, he had Tiki Barber in the backfield, 2,390 all-purpose yards, 1,860 yards rushing, 11 touchdowns. He also had Plaxico Burris at 28 years old, over 1,200 yards receiving, seven TDs. He had a 25-year-old Jeremy Shockey, 891 yards, seven TDs. He had a 31-year-old Amani Toomer, 684 yards, seven TDs. There were a lot of groceries in the basket for Eli. Gino, last year was his first year of starting, the full season had Chris Ivory, 833 yards rushing. He had 10 yards receiving, so 843 yards. I'm no math whiz, but that's 1,500 yards less than Tiki Barber had in Eli's first career year starting. And the closest receiver to 1,000 yards last year was Santonio Holmes. He was injured. He only played 11 games. Close to 1,000 yards was 423 Now, look, this is why you have to just chill out and give this kid some time. I watched him at West Virginia. I think he's extremely talented. Did he have a little lapse of professionalism walking off the field last week, getting into it with a fan? Yes. He's a kid. He's still a kid. I know to everybody out there, he's a man. He's a kid. And he's starting in New York. Did Derek Jeter ever tell a fan F you as he walked off the field? I don't think so. What he learned from it. He apologized. He said he was it was in the heat of the moment. Whatever. I'm not going to get on the guy for that. I'm sorry. And I'm glad the story died down as quickly as it did. People know what it's like to play quarterback or to play shortstop or to be a starting pitcher in New York. It's not easy. And <laughs> Joe Namath, I understand what he did, not only for the Jets franchise, but for... The NFL. He brought the NFL and AFL together by beating the Colts in Super Bowl three. He did. His career numbers are nothing to look at. But what he did in Super Bowl three brought together what is now currently the NFL. The AFL was not doing well. It was going to be on its way out. I respect Joe Namath just as all the players then did, all the players do now. But Joe. Stutzit as my grandmother used to say it's a very it's a not nice way to say be quiet in italian leave these guys alone he 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 gets on every show that he could get onto to wax poetic about the offense and that even riles up the fans even more well if joe willie's saying it it must be listen stop you, I know they're one and three. I know we had a couple more turnovers. I know it's difficult to watch a guy grow when he's the quarterback of a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl in over forty years. I get it. I've heard Joe Beningo ad nauseum, and I got to tell you, Joe's better when the Jets lose. <laughs> Not that I hope for a Jets loss, but when they do lose, that is must hear radio.
1: I. I you know how frustrated I get with the Jets and and by the way I can't believe that such a classy and and, and quiet and respectful fan base would get on Geno Smith and allow him to scream an obscenity <laughs> um, but I get frustrated with the Jets Chris because getting Michael Vick to back up Geno Smith is like in ten years um, you know. Sirius XM is like we need a replacement for you know Howard Stern. We need a big radio personality. They hire somebody and then they're like, by the way, Howard's going to be your backup. He's—I he, know he's the guy that like started this whole movement, but he's going to be the guy that, in case you falter, he'll take over for you. Well, guess who fans are going to be calling for in, in in five days? Howard Stern, mm-hmm. because he's the one who created that movement. Right. It's just like that. Michael Vick was the first innovator of this new quarterbacks can run and throw offense, and it's the most amazing thing to watch when it's working right. Fans always want it. They want to play Michael Vick and Madden. They want to have that offense where quarterbacks can run and pass. And now, for some reason, the Jets decide this quarterback that's in his second season, let's have Michael Vick back him up. It's just like you know that controversy is going to come. It's like everything that the Jets do – it's as if they have no idea what the the result is going to be. It's like let's have Rex Ryan Uh, appear on talk shows and not give away the fact that he can't make simple decisions as a coach. Let's have Rex Ryan never tell the fans, the media, who the starting quarterback is.
0: Well, give the people the example that you gave me in the office. He went on to Michael Kay's show with Donald. Right, and and
1: Michael and Don asked him point blank, if you thought that Geno Smith needed to be replaced in a game, could you make that decision? Is that your decision? He said, well... Guys, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about that. He's the head coach. (laughs) Just say yes. I mean, it's unbelievable. Just if it is your decision, you would say yes, right? In that situation. But the problem is that uh, John Idzik, who drafted Geno Smith, he doesn't want him uh, to take uh, Geno out of the game. But for some reason, you signed Michael Vick to back him up. Makes no sense. Why not sign Brooks Bollinger or or an equivalent of it? Sims. Exactly. That, that's all you needed was Matt Sims. All you needed. Kellen Clemens.
0: No one's uh, – listen, no offense to Matt Sims, uh, but no one's going to be screaming for Matt Sims. They're, they're going to have a little bit more patience with Geno Smith. And that point that you brought up is a tremendous point. The Howard Stern comparison is spot on. You, you bring in Michael Vick, who was that prototypical quarterback –
1: of course Jet fans are going to want Vic to come in and, and supplant this kid. He's not just a guy who can throw the ball and a boring, you know, pocket passer. He's <sighs> the most electric quarterback we've seen in the past 20 years.
0: What, what what's the word that you describe? What's the word that comes to mind when you talk about a team? It's organization. The Jets organization, the Rangers organization, the Yankees organization. There's no organization with this team. None. If if the head coach is on an is on a talk show, with Michael K. and Donald Greco and says, ah, I can't talk about that. Everybody knows he can't make the decision. <laughs> I mean, we're not we, – we could read between the lines. This is New York. We're not dumb. We weren't born yesterday. Well, some people were, but they're babies and they don't understand
1: what's going on yet. <laughs> and they're not listening to the show, so and forget about that. They're not listening
0: them. to the, the Chris Sheeran show or the Michael K. show. I mean, for the love of God. You, you just need to give the guy a chance. And I know they're one and three and I know it's tough, and their schedule does not get any easier. The next seven weeks well, let's not let's not even talk about the next seven weeks. Let's talk about the next three weeks. They're in San Diego, they host Denver, and then they go to New
1: England. That's not good. Those quarterbacks are are very good that they're playing against Phillip Rivers and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And you know what drives me crazy is I understand the criticism of Jets fans. Cool your Jets, as you so eloquently put it. But I am more on, and I know you agree with me, I'm more on blame Jets ownership. Blame John Idzik. Blame Rex Ryan because they're the ones that are leaving that slimmer of hope that Michael Vick can come in and save the day. I just don't understand. In this era... In New York City. I mean, people talk about why the Yankees don't have a farm system. It's because the fans have no patience. Mm -hmm. So what did you expect from New Yorkers when you bring in Michael Vick to be the backup? I love it. Doug's heated. I just don't get it. Bring in Kellen Clemens. If you want somebody to teach Geno Smith how to be a quarterback, bring in an old wily veteran who the fans naturally just don't really care about. That's all you needed to do. Elvis Gerback? <laughs> I'm, I'm tr- bring back <laughs> Vinny Testaverdi. Dave Craig? He's only 65 years old. He can probably <laughs> still move his Homer right Sison, shoulder. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, just bring him in. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. None of it does. The whole organization. You have $20 million left on the cap. You're not going to go out and sign a corner. You'd just rather answer questions all year about how you're going to defend wide receivers? Uh,
0: you know, the $20 million under the cap. They didn't bring a corner back in, and it's Rex Ryan's last year of his contract. That, to me, screams lack of organization. And this is why Jet fans are so committed to getting Geno off the field. Because in their minds, and I agree with them, the ones who want Michael Vick out there, why did we get this guy? Why is he on the bench? You spent the money. The kid isn't producing. Why is it Michael Vick in the game? You know, oh, it's going to hurt his psyche. Look, I know I said he was a kid. He's playing professional football. Geno Smith's psyche. You don't have to worry about Geno Smith's psyche. If Michael Vick goes in there and just to replace him for a half, for a quarter, whatever, Geno Smith knows, all right, I'm on punishment and I have to deal with it and I have to be better and I have to better myself. I think it would be actually better for Geno Smith. I'm not saying Michael Vick comes in and supplants him as the starter for the rest of the season, but get him thinking. You know what, if Rex, and obviously Rex can't make that call during the game <laughs> when he's the head coach, but if he does pull him out, maybe it's for a series, maybe it's for a quarter, maybe the, he, maybe Gino turns the ball over three times, he two picks and a fumble, and he comes out of the game. And then Rex goes to the sideline, pulls him aside, listen, son, you've got to be better. You've got to start making better decisions, and he's in there, and you're going to think about it.
1: Yep. You're a head coach. And I know that the New York Jets technically play in New Jersey. But look at what else is happening in the state of New York. The Buffalo Bills, E.J. Manuel, to all the talent in the world. That doesn't help the situation Gets either. benched. And Kyle Lorton is playing. So it's like, you know what? You're not performing. We love you. We think you're a really high-priced talent and a really good kid. And Kyle Lorton isn't the quarterback
0: of the future for right. the Bills.
1: But the difference is... Kyle Orton is not necessarily that Michael Vick status where it's like, oh, boy, could this guy light the world on fire and start for the rest of the year? It's just a smart decision.
0: And do people remember what Vick was like his last couple years in film? He doesn't
1: win. He doesn't win football games. He was a turnover machine. So I know that we're both kind of giving you cross signals here where it's like you should want Michael Vick to come in, and I understand why you do, I'm just but you agreeing, also shouldn't. Yeah, we're
0: just understanding why they want him because right. of all the science that the organization gave them. But at the same time, you can't want that guy in there. Uh, you want this other guy. You want Geno Smith to develop, and the only way the guy is going to develop – listen, Eli Manning had growing pains, but while he had the growing pains – Give me one guy besides Eric Decker, who Geno Smith has as a a weapon. Give it to me. Jason Morrow? Cumberland? Jeff Cumberland?
1: I got nothing for you. Jeremy Curley? I feel like... Jeremy Curley might as well be Ray Rice. Oh, I mean, uh, that's not, not Ray good. Rice. <laughs> I was going to say Jerry Rice.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> oh, you boy. just threw me off. We've, we've been going way too long, man. <laughs> yes, but it's okay. It's good. We're still f- fired up and heated, and it's over the Jets. I mean, we haven't gotten to the Giants yet. We're going to have to push them off till next week. You know, I mean, that they're facing an Atlanta Falcon team. This weekend that they should run right over, but who knows with the Giants? It'll be interesting to see. And I picked up Eli
1: for my fantasy. Team. I'm going to the game, by the way. First game since uh, Super Bowl. Really? 90. So yeah, I'm Good very excited. For you awesome. Uh,
0: but who's uh, Lewis Black? You know, I, if Lewis Black, the famous <laughs> comedian, was a Jet fan, oh man, I could just imagine the rant that. What are you doing? You know, pointing the finger. I would love to hear a 10-minute diatribe from Lewis Black on the New York Jets. And that's what I feel like, right? I'm not even a Jet fan, but I have Jet fan friends who I feel so bad for because, you know, every year it's the same thing. Rex puts his defense up on a pedestal, and they're not a bad defense, but they're not this, like, elite defense that he puts them out there as every single season. The first couple years... I mean, let's be honest. He had this team in the AFC Championship game. He was one game away from a damn Super Bowl. That's the only reason why he's still with this team. He's living on that cred that he had. He yep. must beat Peyton May. He had the lead in Indianapolis.
1: You hear that pounding. That's, that's like a something out of a movie. It's Chris pounding on the and, table.
0: And he wouldn't let Mark Sanchez <laughs> throw the damn ball.
1: Here's what I'll say.
0: He was beating Peyton Manning in the third quarter. Here's my Lewis Black. You can't see it, but I'm pointing my finger. Oh, my God. This is why Jet fans are so twisted. Doesn't it seem obvious,
1: Chris, that John Edzik wants Rex Ryan out? Because it's true. It's not his guy. The defense is all that Rex Ryan has every year. But it's not his guy. Right. So. So what John Idzik did was like, I know we have twenty million left, but if we got him a cornerback, I really think we'd be good, and our and the defense would and be. And if that's the case, Idzik should be out. Oh my to. gosh, totally! It's it's it, an absolute,
0: it's a conspiracy. And if Woody Johnson knows that's the case, this organization, if you are just throwing away a season and you are putting your quarterback, your your kid quarterback out there as you know the people, uh, the, the, the the guy that everybody wants to crucify. Oh my goodness, shame on you. Shame on you.
1: And even if that that's wasn't the terrible. purpose, that's exactly what's happening. Like, even if the intent wasn't there to, to, to not give them a good team, to not allow them to compete for the playoffs, you are doing that. Because your defense is good but not great enough to hold your team, and your offense has no weapons. You brought in Chris Johnson – Three years past his prime. You still have Chris Ivory, as mediocre as ever. And you have no receivers for Geno Smith. Nobody electric who does on the he side. have?
0: Listen, I, I said this to you in my office in, in our meeting before we came up here. If Geno Smith had Plaxico Burris, Jeremy Shockey, Tiki Barber in the backfield, and Amani Toomer, okay, that caliber type of talent surrounding him. And, and I'm not poo-pooing Eric Decker, but who knows if he's, if he's 100%. You know, he's a gamer. He's going to go out there. He was hurt. He had the hammy. Or, or yeah,
1: some lower body in the yeah, NFL. I mean, if,
0: if, if Geno Smith is failing with that type of talent, okay, fine. Then you can get all over him. But this is his second year as the starter, and it's the second year. He's got – No, I don't want to say no. I don't want to poo-poo the guys I want to, the guys he has on the team are gamers, but they're not the quality of talent. Those numbers I brought up with Eli at the beginning of his career. And I'm not comparing Geno Smith to Eli Manning overall. That's not fair. Eli has two MVP trophies in the Super Bowl and two rings. Okay? I'm comparing them over the first 20 games of their career. And the numbers in front of me, which I'm looking at right now, say to me, chill out on Geno Smith. You have to. I know it's painful to watch sometimes, but you have to give the kid time. You can't just haphazardly pull him out of the game and put a guy into the game in Michael Vick. And I know you want him because you spent the money and he's the free agent, blah, 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 blah. Turnover machine. Go go look up his numbers. Past couple years in Philly. I know what it was like because I was a Giant fan. And, And did you still have a little bit of fear when you faced Michael Vick? Of course. But at the same time, it seemed like, Every time he got hurt, and every time he
1: turned the ball right, over, he'd be two or hurt. Times. He'd miss a few downs. His his accuracy got worse. Mm-hmm. He started fumbling a lot. And I would just say, I feel like I am putting my hand on a Jets fan's shoulder right now, a hypothetical Jets fan shoulder, and I would say, I know your organization hired the sexiest possible backup quarterback option, and I know your rookie quarterback or your second year quarterback is struggling, but just wait it out because we understand you and I what Jets fans are going through and why they're m- confused about their quarterback situation, given the fact that Rex Ryan never even named a you-know-what starter for no reason. But you know what? Jets fans, just be patient. You're not going to win the Super Bowl, I don't think, with this team anyway. Uh, and let the next few weeks pay, play out. You're not expected to win these next three games. Right. So maybe you take two. Maybe you take one and be happy with that. Yeah. See where it takes and you. And
0: you know what? The, the, the Green Bay timeout, I'm not saying the Jets would have won that game. It would have tied it, and who knows what would have happened after that. As Michael Kay always likes to say, it's the fallacy of the predetermined outcome. Um, so you don't know if the Jets would have gotten that game. And Geno Smith's numbers weren't off the charts in that game. But look at what he did. You know, they had a 21-3 lead on Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. What does it mean? Nothing. They lost. But there are signs that this kid could put it all together. And throwing him on the bench, in my opinion, (laughs) the best three words ever in the Twitterverse, in the Twitter uh, era that we live in, just my opinion. It's not fact. It's not Bible. It's not gospel. It's my opinion. And it's probably my partner's as well. Leave the kid in. Let him take the growing pains now. The next seven weeks of the schedule are brutal. And Geno Smith should be out there for every single damn game. Because this is how he's going to grow. You grow and you learn through adversity. You grow and you learn through losing. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when you lose a lot, when you start winning, it makes it all the better. And I think you have that in this quarterback. I might be wrong. But it's my gut feeling, and I think you have that in Geno Smith. That it? That That's it. Should we end with that?
1: Yep, mic All drop. Right.
0: <laughs> mic drop. All right, everybody, listen. Uh, Giant fans, we'll get you next week. Uh, we're already, already up to the 50-minute uh, mark here on this one. And hopefully we're talking about a Giants victory at home against Matty Ice and the Falcons. So they move to 3-2. and two hopefully, and that would mean they've won their last three games and uh, Eli Manning is no longer getting dirt kicked on his coffin.
1: By the way, can I just say, yeah, go ahead. classic Jets taking the, uh, the headlines away for the better, from the better team in New York. Classic. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, all the time. And after week one, I, was, I didn't engage on, with the trolls on Twitter, but Gino was the best quarterback in New York, and <laughs> the best team in New York wears green. That's all I saw on Twitter. What say you now, trolls? Back in their caves. In, yes. Anyway, uh, I do root for the Jets, though, to be successful. Me too. Um, because I have a lot of friends who, who do like gangrene, and I don't like to see them suffer. Uh, but unfortunately, that's been happening for the past over 40 years. Actually, the, almost the span, a little over the span of my life, uh, the Jets have not won. So for Doug Williams, I'm Chris and Don't forget, this is on yesnetwork.com. You could also download and subscribe this, to this on iTunes for the lovely cost of free 99. And don't forget, you could also subscribe to Doug's other podcast, uh, The Yes Men with Lou DiPietro. Also great, they break down things, you know, the the numbers. Lou is ridiculous with the numbers. He's like, you know, the beautiful mind of baseball. Yep. So it's always fun to listen to Lou uh, break it down with Doug as well. For Doug Williams, I'm Chris Sheeran. We'll see you next time here on The Chris Sheeran Show.